So when we talk about this holistic type of uh, wellness that I practice in my firm, uh, we, we ask people to uh, imagine themselves that there's a flower, that as a flower is a beautiful flower. So Maureen, what are the three things that it takes a plant to bloom? Generally. You're asking a biologist? Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Last time this marine biologist was on land with flowers. Oh, you're asking a hard question. Uh this is a soil. hard this is a hard hitting interview, Marine. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Soil, water, and sunlight. Correct. Okay, good, of course. <laughs> uh so and again, uh we equate the water to taking care of your physical body. It's very important, taking care of your physical body. When things below your head aren't right, things in your head aren't right. When things in your head aren't right, things below aren't right. And then we talk about we talk about the uh, soil, which we equate to people, places, and things that you surround yourself in your life. Uh, if you take a beautiful flower and you transplant it into a sandbox, what happens? It's not going to do so well. Yes, it withers, okay? <laughs> However, so many people continue to place themselves in these type of situations that don't help them grow. And then when we talk about the sun, and again, I use a lot of 12-step terms, what we talk about is the sunlight of the spirit, a spiritual connection with something. I make no apologies for insisting that... Uh, total package of wellness includes a, uh, a foundation of spirituality. So you mentioned something about that. Could you, could you explore that with us, Maureen? Yeah. Um, so both of my parents are Catholic and I was raised in a Catholic household. Um, I received my first communion in second grade and um, in between elementary school and middle school, I moved school districts. And um, right around the time of my first communion, we asked the church to provide accessible materials for my first communion so I could read the prayers. And we asked, would you mind printing out the prayers in large print so that, you know, my mom asked so my daughter can read her prayers with the rest of her communion class. Uh And I want to preface this with priests are people too. Uh, but the priest said, if your daughter can't read the Bible, why is she coming to church? Uh. And that really hurt my family, uh, very deeply, very, very deeply. Mm. Um, my dad still continued to go to Sunday services, but my mom, um, decided to step away for a while and my brother and I were not practicing, uh, like in our younger ages. Okay. Um, and then in the Catholic church, when you are in high school, usually around your sophomore year of high school, there is the opportunity to do a year of preparation for what is called the sacrament of confirmation, where you receive the gifts of the, the Holy spirit. And my parents approached it. I'm very thankful in a, in an appropriate way. And they said, this is what happened with our family in the past with the Catholic church. We're now in a new parish and there's we've noticed a lot of students from your, your high school go. Um, we would like for you to go to a couple of the confirmation classes, but if at any time you don't feel the connectedness, you don't want to go anymore, you know, confirmation should be your decision. You're 
a young lady, this needs to be something you want, not something we force on you. So you had a choice. Uh, I did. And I really respect my parents. And it turns out that that family for me during those that year of confirmation wound up being all those friends from the youth group I talked about from high mm. school. And um, that same year, my brother wound up having issues with um, serious drug addiction and the beginning signs of what was later diagnosed as severe schizophrenia. Okay. Um, so while going through all of that at home, I think my faith for me came back at a very pivotal time when mm. I was going through some of these really confusing trials where I wasn't really quite sure why my parents wanted to, for example, stop giving my brother money or kick him out of the house and not have him live with us anymore or you know why are the cops showing up in the driveway again uh, um i don't think i really quite grasped it all because i was the younger sister and i wanted to give my brother the benefit of the doubt but i wasn't old enough to grasp all of the issues that uh some of these severe uh drug addiction and early signs of mental health issues were really causing to our family mm. Um, but it turns out that my spiritual family and my, my faith came back at a, a really pivotal moment in, in high school for me. Okay. So could you explain to us how that, how that helped you deal with the situation at home? Yeah, I think a lot of times people ask, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Uh huh. And that's a really good question. Um, and I say that God gave us free will, but he did it so that he wasn't like the helicopter parent who controlled our every move. He allowed uh, He allows us to make our own choices and to come to him in due time. But in order for that to happen, he also gave us choices to make bad decisions. Indeed. Um, and also... Um, in the Catholic faith, we believe God already knows like all of the sufferings that you're going to go through and he will provide you a community. And you might hear Catholics say, pick up your cross, but that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. You can do it through your community and through all of your friends, right? And so I think having a safe space to go and even a couple of other adults to go to and to talk about these things when I was confused outside of my own parents, mm -hmm. uh, which thankfully youth ministers are usually trained in these kinds of things. Yes. Um, well, there's always, you there's know. always questions. There's always doubts. So I think that that came for me at a really good time. And, um, for me, faith is something that's always constant. It's always going to be there. So no matter what might happen, um, as long as I, I maintain that prayer life and that relationship with Christ, that's what's important in the end. And I know he'll provide in some way and that he's not going to give me more than I can handle. Well, in the 12-step world, Maureen, we, all, one of our sayings is, is that uh, we do the footwork and God determines the results. Mm -hmm. uh, and I use this uh, little thing about action and effort. And... Uh, Action. Yes, I was just thinking of that action, word. Action and effort. Uh, so there's two words in 12-step recovery that mean the most to me, and they are action and effort. So sometimes when I speak at rehabs, I'll uh, give this story. I'll say there was a person who prayed to win the lottery every day. Just sweat blood. Prayed to win the lottery. And nothing ever happened. So 
One day they got so angry that they went outside and they yelled up at this guy. They said, God, why won't you let me win the lottery? And God called back down and said, could you meet me halfway and at least buy a ticket? So, <gasps> oh, no. so, so the, so the idea about action and effort is buy the ticket. Yeah. Buy the ticket. And, and that's so important. Um, we can we can speak all we want, but I'm a big fan of. I think it's Saint Thomas Thomas Aquinas who says uh-huh. actions speak louder than words. Um, or or um, pray pray with pray often, but only use words when necessary. Well, yes, and there's one of the quotes we often use on this show is that your actions speak so loudly I can't hear what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's so, and again, I keep referring back to 12 step world. People don't want to hear the, I'm sorry's anymore. They don't want to hear the promises. I won't, don't, won't do it again. What they want to see is a change in your thoughts and a change in your actions. And that takes mm-hmm. action and effort. It and then so- with that, especially with a, a brother who suffers severe from severe mental health issues. Yes. You also need to realize when changing their actions is not always in their control. Um, And also that you can't change everyone's behavior no matter how much of a fixer you want to be. And and again, that's a stoic type of attitude, Maureen, where you say there's two columns in life, things I can control and things I cannot. Unfortunately, we spend 90% of our time trying to change things that we we have no control over. Mm-hmm. And what well, sounds like you've kept your own counsel over all these years. So when, when a person would come to you and say, Maureen, how did you get so wise? What would you say to them? Gosh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I just, I don't actually really know. I think I'm just really fortunate to, like you said, I kind of have an, an old soul and maybe having a disability made me grow up faster, but it also means I'm kind of a good problem solver as well. Um, and perhaps maybe that stronger empathy gave me the ability to look at situations from more than just how is it affecting me or what can I gain from it, but maybe even to step into the other person's shoes for a moment and say, what is the full picture or at least what I can make of the full picture given the information that I have. But it's not to say that I may be who I am now, but that's not to say that there weren't many times of uh, tears and crying and being upset. Um, Especially when my brother was going through rough periods when I was in college and he would call me on the cell phone and he would still think I was in high school. Uh. Um, And he just wouldn't, he wouldn't know that I had gone away okay. to college. And like that was particularly um, difficult, right? Because you want to be there for your loved ones, but you're like, do I support the episode that he is having or do I try to talk him back into reality? Well, there's such, we try to validate people. And when we validate their feelings, it doesn't necessarily mean we agree with them. We could say mm-hmm. you're very upset, you're very angry. So, Maureen, there's a large difference between arrogance and confidence. Large difference. Arrogance and confidence. 
When uh, when you say I Marine am confident, how would you complete some of those sentences? I Marine am confident that I am confident that I will always find work because I like to look for opportunities and don't take anything for granted. I'm confident I'll always find a community of people to be with um, because I value friendship and I think you don't get anywhere without a support system. Um, I'm confident that my mental health will continue to get better because I'm taking steps to get counseling and consult doctors for medicine that will help me. Right. Um, I'm also confident that there's going to be a tomorrow. And sometimes you, even if you're having a really bad day, you just have to say tomorrow's another day. And if I need to do what I need to do today for self-care to make sure I make it to tomorrow, but I know that there's going to be a tomorrow. Because you're important. Yes. Do you ever say the words out loud, I'm important? Not often. Um, and I think especially in the graduate school culture with uh, imposter syndrome, where we're so frequently comparing ourselves to others, mm-hmm. uh, we don't hear that a lot. No, but however, and again, the difference between confidence and arrogance having confidence in saying that you're important. Do you remember the first time that you heard your recorded voice played back to you? Maybe not tape recorder or whatever. Yes, I do. And how, and how did, how was that? How did you take that Marine? Very cringy. I was like, is that what I really sound like? (laughs) (laughs) So what we'd like to do is we'd like to have people get comfortable with the sound of their own voice to hear that Mm -hmm. because most people are very awkward about that. And a lot of people have, they've developed this inner critic inside of uh, their head. Mm -hmm. that It's like a movie reviewer, but every, every movie, every move of your life's a bad move. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did you ever go through a period like that where you had periods of self doubt? Yes. Yes. Okay. I did. Okay. So how did you deal with those? Those can be some low places and you can, and somebody can stay there. Yeah. um, One of the most difficult moments for me was during my master's, I wound up not passing my graduate exams the first time. And this was the first time I had really ever failed at something that was a major step towards really my job or my degree. And I had to go have a meeting with my advisor and uh, it wasn't that he was mad at me. It was more the disappointment. Uh. Um, Right. And it was just honestly things I didn't know. Um, I failed out of, out of a, just out of not knowing how to do the exam. And then um, because the exam happened over spring break, I had talked with disability services and with the Dean and we had agreed that that would have been enough time. However, with the way the exams worked, you you had to do primary literature review and you had to write eight, you had to answer eight essay prompts in six days. Wow. And by the end of the sixth day, my I, I was so tired, like visually, um, that we went and we talked to a biology department and they agreed to let me retake the exam, the same questions, but with extended time. And I did fine the second time around, but 
that time in between of not knowing how I would do it and knowing that all of my classmates passed Uh. was very difficult. And I think there was awkwardness because they didn't know how to talk to me about it. Um, your class, I would your hear conversation. Uh, yeah, I would hear conversations in the hallway of my peers saying, "Oh, I passed my exams," and then I would walk by, and they would all of a sudden get very quiet. Uh, and I remember the only thing I wanted them to ask me was, "Are you okay?" Mm. And no one. The only person who asked that actually was the band director mm. uh, at Walla Walla because he noticed I I wasn't myself, but no one else ever just took two minutes to say, "Hey, are you okay?" I know you're having a tough day. Ah, and that's validating feelings. Yes. Wow. 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 So they didn't come and offer you to take the exams over with extended time. You had to go ask for them. No, no. They did offered you? that. Oh, did they? Um, okay. No, no. They did. Um, but I think it was more just the way my my colleagues and I, I understand, right? They were probably afraid. They probably didn't want to, for fear of flipping a switch and having me potentially get angry or not knowing how I was going to react. But what wound up happening for that time in between until I could take the exam is I became a bit of a recluse because uh, I didn't know how to talk to anyone mm, about it. Well, um, yeah, well, that may explain their quiet. that may explain their behavior, Maureen. It doesn't excuse it. Right. But I remember all I wanted was just for someone to say, hey, are you okay? Do you want to like go talk about it or something? And then it took me till much longer. This was in the spring. And it took until the next winter for me to finally seek out uh, official like counseling and therapy for the help behind that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes that's when people get into these defensive type of modes uh, I, I'm sure you've run into a lot of younger people, even older people who their defense mechanisms, I don't care. I don't care. Well, sometimes we get so emotionally hurt in our lives that we inside ourselves make a choice and say, I will never experience this type of pain again. And sometimes they do that by saying, I don't care. They, mm-hmm. they don't get involved. Did you ever feel like that? No, actually it wound up, over the summer, there wound up. Um, I wound up not being able to go scuba diving. Um, I I didn't pass the scuba physical, and part of our marine lab work out in Washington was going scuba diving. To I studied octopuses, and so wow. we collect octopuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the official plural is octopuses. For anybody who's wondering. Um, oh, I thought so I always thought it was octopi. Technically, you could use both. Oh, okay. You want to be, you, you're, you're the marine biologist. We're going to defer to the expert. Yeah, um, but wound up hap- but what wound up happening is because I couldn't go diving with the lab. It actually led to me. It actually led to physical separation and also missing out on those shared experiences because mm-hmm. typically dives take several hours. You go on day trips. You get to come back and process the octopuses. And then not only that, we lived with the students um, that we worked with as well in the cabins. And so unintentionally, you know, they come back, they talk about their dive. Or if we went over to our boss's house for game night, they'd all talk about their diving. And I remember one specific instance where my boss's wife picked up on this and Mm -hmm. she noticed I wasn't contributing to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And she was very sweet. And she came in and she very tactfully 
change the subject to something that we could all talk about. And I just remember that moment of being like, thank you for Ah. thinking about inclusion in that way Mm. to have that kind of awareness to realize not everyone in the room is able to participate in the particular like conversation or or experience that's going on. Well, sure. You felt, although you weren't intentionally excluded, the topic Mm -hmm. of conversation was something that you couldn't join in on. Wow. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that feel that they're, that's what's going on in life, that there's a flow and a conversation of life that they're not included in, mm-hmm. particularly for young ladies. So if a young lady would come up to you, let's say some, uh, some young ladies listen to this show and they contact us and they say, how could I be like Maureen? She sounds so confident. She sounds so... She she comfortable with the sound of her own voice. She has a she has a real grasp of herself. She has a wise mind. Uh, what would you say? It did not happen overnight. That's for sure. Uh, and it's a collection of experiences. Um, unfortunately, a lot of which I think kind of involves suffering. And I think I I grew up a bit too fast. Ah. Um. But, and then also being someone with a disability, it also causes you to think about things earlier on as a young adult that you may not think about um, otherwise. Um, But I I would say, learn what you want out of relationships and learn and don't settle, don't settle for, you know, common, common friendships or would you say that again? Or things like, don't, don't, don't settle. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. Um, cause sometimes, like you said, when you're, you can't see the label when you're in the prescription bottle, right? That's correct. Um, but you deserve, you deserve better. You deserve everything. And I think that's something I have to remind myself of a lot. That's a powerful message that you have to carry to others. And if you ever write your autobiography, I hope the title is Don't Settle. <laughs> and guess what? It turns out that once I got to Texas A&M, I, I redid the dive checkout with my other boss and we practiced some safety skills and I now get to go scuba diving every year. It turns out I just needed a little bit more time underwater and a little bit more instruction. Okay. okay. So it wasn't something that couldn't be fixed. Um, I just was a person who took a little bit more time to mm-hmm. get used to scuba diving than some others. Well, maybe you're not familiar with uh, Fred Rogers, who ran the head of television show for years and years on uh, public television. One of his uh, favorite sayings was, I like to take my time and do it right. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just one thing. When we try to help people slow down in their lives. Uh, there's a Latin phrase called festina lente, make haste slowly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell us where you're at in your life today as we speak. Right now my head is fairly good, but I, I mean, during the pandemic, it's been, it's been a struggle. Um, part of my, one of my coping, I, I suffer with depression and anxiety and part of my one of my strategies I would use to help with my routine and getting to work every day is I would go to work and I'd make it a point to say hi to somebody um, just to show up. And I think working from home for me, even though I do have a a desk, it's not a separate room with a closed door. 
um, that I can close and leave work away. Um, and so having that blurred line between work and home has been very tough for me as somebody mm. who relies quite heavily on routine. Ah, well, everyone works much better with structure, organization, and discipline in their life. One of the twelve-step mm -hmm. uh, talks is about making your bed every morning to start off to develop some type of routine and, and structure in your life. And sometimes when when we talk about anxiety and we talk about depression, Marine, when we talk about anxiety and we talk about depression, uh, some people with depression they might say, "Well, snap out of it, get over it." Uh, Go see a movie. Go 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 see funny shows. That's because I can't stick a thermometer in somebody's mouth and say, Maureen has depression of 7.6. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so some people believe that, uh, you know, you can snap out of this. What's what's the deal? Or it doesn't even exist. But, uh, yeah. but after that, I'll say to people, I'll say, well, if this person had diabetes, would you, uh, would you strongly suggest them to... Uh, to take medication if they had high cholesterol or heart disease, uh, mm -hmm. the same it's the same type of uh, same type of disorder that it's fortunate that medication can help in those type of situations. That and then it took me about a year to really become to get out of the hole to where I started to recognize my some of my triggers or even some of my feelings like okay, I'm having a day where I'm not really feeling well and I need to take a step back and focus on the essentials, showering, eating food, uh, making sure, okay, well, having a cat definitely helps because she gets me up in the morning and makes me feed her. Furry <laughs> alarm clock is a very good thing. Um, but when I was really down, it was just, talking to people and then it became okay well now we got you talking about it how do we keep making those little steps and I think the other thing about depression too is it's not static uh and especially being at home all the time I found that my symptoms are very um I can't think of the word but it's like very fluid more so than normal and it's much harder for me to predict when I'm going to have good days and bad days um, so it's really just about trying to do as much as I can on the preventative side. Uh, and that includes eating well, exercising at home, calling friends, like, uh, especially calling friends. If I feel myself starting to have those negative thoughts start to circulate obsessively, um, because I find that's one of my, the biggest things that helps me is just talking to other people who they might be able like when I'm in those states, the saying I am important is really hard, but sometimes you call your friends and it helps you realize how much they care about you. And then it can kind of help put things in perspective. So we're much more interested in what works than what doesn't work. Uh, sometimes yeah. I'll do a reverse chain analysis, Maureen, that when a car comes off an assembly line uh, and something's defective, the plant managers, the plants will go back through every stage of that manufacturing process, even back to where the, the parts were manufactured at. However, it's not often that when there's a positive outcome, 
that people go back through each step of that to add to and reinforce the things that work. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how often students get called into the principal's office to say, hey, you're doing really well. Uh, let's find out how you <laughs> did this, and uh, we'd like you to go from class to class and share this. Uh, yeah. Nobody generally gets called into the boss's office to say, hey, you guys are doing a great job. I'd like you to write up a, how, how, how this is going on. Uh, mm -hmm. So you talked earlier about being able to label and identify how you are feeling. Uh, could you say yeah. more about that? Yeah, um, they have a app through our university called Sonvelo, and it helps you identify your moods. And uh -huh. I have it set to randomly ask me to check in each day, how am I feeling? And it has a whole bunch of like adjectives mm -hmm. uh, for moods. And by practicing that habit, and it has more than just your basic emotions. Sure. It has tired, sick, lazy, uh, lonely, isolated, or even like feelings of joy, right? It'll say like restful, happy, elated, um, warm. And it just has so many words yeah, that yeah. by practicing this mindfulness of this random check-in, uh -huh. uh, that really helped. And then while working with my counselor, one thing we focused on was you may not be where you want to be, which happens a lot in graduate school. Um, we often set really high expectations but it's like where am I compared to last year oh wow like this time last year I could only go into work for four hours at a time before I got overwhelmed and had to leave and now I can go in for a six-hour work day that's amazing progress in a year well, you know and able um, to look back and adjust that so um have you ever had a pet dog have you ever had a dog marine oh yes yeah what was your dog's name her name was Chrissy. Chrissy. Okay. So what are one of the reasons why people give uh, people give pets a name, Marie? There's no right or wrong answer here. <laughs> well, because they usually have little personalities, and we want to be able to uh, interact with them. Okay. That's what I think of. So here's what I uh, – here's kind of an exercise that I do with people. I'll say, okay, so if you would have never given Chrissy her name, okay, and she would have ran outside, how would you have called her back? Hmm. And how would you have felt, oh. if, how'd you have felt Marine, if Chrissy would have ran away? Oh, gosh, uh, terrible. Okay. But I don't know how I would have called her back. Yeah, awful. So, <laughs> so that's what I... This is an analogy that I use with people, how important it is to label and identify thoughts and feelings. As if we're not able to accurately label and identify how we're thinking and feeling, our feelings get away from us also. And we become mm -hmm. anxious and depressed and fearful and all the, all the things that happen. So generally what I'll do is there's, I have seven or eight pages of feeling words that I'll give to people. And... Let, oh wow! Let them That's know. Awesome. Let them know how important it is to exact. So, how many times has somebody said to somebody says, "Hey, how are you?" And you, you didn't know. What's the standard American greeting, Marine? If I, you and I crossed on campus, and I would say to you, "Hey, Marine, how are you doing?" What's the standard I, answer? I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm tired. I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm good. And you'd ask them. They'd say, "Hey, well, I'm good. How are you doing?" And what would they generally answer? I'm good. And God forbid, what if you would have actually stopped and told them exactly how you were? 
See, but that's that's something I have come to dislike because nobody's ever just good. And I think I just I don't like it because it allows people to put on a mask. That's correct. It's just not it's. And so I now try to say when people ask me how you're doing, I'll say, oh, I'm tired because uh-huh. this and this and this happened. Not just a single two cent two word answer. So you add some depth to your conversation. So when somebody says, hey, how yeah. are you? When somebody uh, in a patient, I'll say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'll say, OK, describe pretty good to me. Exactly. Yes. Why are you doing pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. Convince or sometimes I'll actually I'll say Marine I'll say convince me I'm doing <laughs> I'm I'm doing great convince me <laughs> oh my gosh you can use you are that. just straight out of the box huh <laughs> all right well why <laughs> convince me especially when you see somebody and you know they're obviously they're not doing well and you say oh I'm okay okay let's stop convince me you're okay convince me so you're welcome to use that line (laughs) (laughs) okay so what's your intentions for the rest of the week let's talk about intentions oh so um we just i just got back from a trip with my boss to uh we went scuba diving this weekend um with the local dive shop and so we went to this lake in texas called mammoth lake uh scuba park and it's a man-made lake with a whole bunch of like sunken objects in it so there's an airplane a car a submarine a bus a crab statue king kong fire truck (laughs) lots of things to explore oh Um, yeah wow that sounds great it was, it was really great. And then um, because we were down so close to the coast, um, like really close to the coast, like half an hour from the coast, whereas usually we're about a three-hour drive from the beach, we went and did some collecting um, for my research. So I have some experiments to do this week that I'm looking forward to. And I have some writing I want to get done this week. But then um, I'm looking forward to reaching those goals because my mom is mailing me a puzzle a jigsaw puzzle, and I love doing jigsaw puzzles. So my goal is to keep up with my work so that I can enjoy my weekend and do my jigsaw puzzle. Well, Maureen, we wanted to uh, get a sense of who Maureen is today. And we're hoping that because you, the, could you share with uh, our audience what the subject, what your. Yeah. Um, so. For my dissertation research, I am studying plastic pollution on Texas beaches and the effects of uh, plastic ingestion on marine life. So, so that is a subject that I want to uh, spend another hour with you on. Uh, that's uh, Can I come back for another podcast? That's what we want to do. Yes. <laughs> so we want, we want, you're such a delightful young lady and so well-spoken that this is this deserves this deserves itself this is a subject that deserves some time so if you're willing we'd love to uh we'd love to have you back and we'll certainly contact you so if you have any uh parting words to the audience what would they be maureen first of all you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others um don't lower your expectations 
for anyone. And if you have a dream that you really believe in, you'll find a way to make it work. I know you will. Thank you so much. You're just absolutely delightful. I'm so glad we had this conversation. And at the end of every podcast, uh, Maureen, we offer a free prescription. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television and take up fishing. great to me. <laughs> and for a truly <laughs> mindful experience, we suggest you fish without bait. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.